No one can predict the next bear market accurately. The only sure thing is it's going to happen. Is your retirement ready for whatever comes next? On today's show, we'll outline some moves you could make to help protect your retirement plan. Welcome in to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. This is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. Steve, of course, is a fiduciary. He's an independent. He's got more than 20 years experience, and he's a best-selling author. Cookie cut this retirement distribution strategies for the nonconformist. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. This is uh, this is going to be fun because, we, you know, we talk about the market in some form every week. Uh, and, uh, boy, the last few weeks have been uh, anything but smooth sailing. I mean, it's been up, it's been down, it's, it's just been sideways, it's been all over the board. So we have to think about that when it comes to our retirement and, and our plan. Um, and, and folks last year said, oh, it's going to be a, you know, there's going to be a bear market, there's going to be a bull market. Uh, you know, the S&P went up 25%. Right. No. And the thing is, is that stocks trade as a function of their earnings. And so, you know, I know people are nervous about interest rates and they're nervous about inflation, but inflation typically helps corporate earnings because they're charged, you know, corporate earnings go up with inflation because they're charging more for their goods. And number two, the interest rates, yes, it hurts growth companies, but whether a company like Tesla or Apple or Microsoft is paying 1.8% to borrow money or 2% to borrow money, it's not going to make a huge impact on their bottom line when they're growing their earnings at 30%. So I think we're still very much in a bull market. But what you're going to see, and we talk about this all the time on the show, is that kind of oh, oh shoot factor, we'll call it, Okay. <laughs> is that when you've made a lot of money and you have a, a, a smidge of volatility, um, people head to the exits pretty quickly because they, they want to protect what they made. And it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, the best thing to do is, is, is to stay invested if it's long-term money. So it's time in the market, not trying to time the market. Right. And so if you've segmented your assets properly, then you can wait till the next run higher to reallocate your portfolio and move more into conservative and replenish your liquid assets. So ideally, if you've set up your account with a time-segmented allocation, where you've you've carved out you know two to three years worth of your income um, into something safe like the bank or money market accounts or something safe and liquid, it could be a stable value fund in your four hundred one k. So I mean, then, let's let's talk about segmented thing, a uh, segmented uh, allocation, if you will. Uh, I mean, that's that really is the the crux of what you do. It is. It is absolutely the crux of what I do. And, and sometimes in, in a market like the one we've been in, it gets a little bit challenging because you're, you're reiterating to people that, hey, look, the strategy is sound. You've already carved out the money that you need to spend uh, in the next three years. So when the market has a gyration like this, while it's unpleasant, you, you still have the time to, to ride it out. Now, we may not feel like we have the time to ride it out when we might just look at our statement and we see red numbers and then we worry, right? And that's that's human nature. But the great majority of the time, the stock market comes back in the not too distant future. In fact, since COVID started, we've had, um, this is the fourth pullback that we've had um, of this degree since since the beginning of the pandemic. And each time the market has come back and made a higher high within six weeks. So 
I mean, I'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen this time around, but it's, you know, it's, it's foolish to panic on your long-term assets. There will be a time when you can, you can sell out of those stocks and replenish your liquid assets when the market is doing well. And you always want to, you always want to sell high. I mean, we, we say that all the time, buy low, sell high, and everyone knows that, but instinctively most, most investors don't do that because they get nervous. Well, it's the emotional part of this. Uh, and, and again, we, it's, it's instinctual. I think we, we, you know, it's that, that flight or fight kind of the thing. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, and not everyone has the stomach to be invested. And you would think that if you've carved out, you know, two to three years worth of your income that you would have, you would have the resolve to stay in, but not everyone does. And unfortunately, you don't really know if you have the resolve until you get tested. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And so that's, and, and I, I say the same thing with people who are saving into their 401ks, right? So one of the things we talk about often on the show is maximizing those contributions, right? And so yes. sometimes, um, you know, people will do that. They'll take the advice. And then the second, let's, let's just say, for example, like what we were talking about last week with the Roth IRA. Sure. So if you're contributing into your Roth IRA and your Roth, your Roth 401k, and say you're maxing out and you're over 50, so you're putting in $27,000. Now, say the year before you were putting in 12 and you decide to up it to 27. Now, the money that's going into the Roth theoretically should go into stocks because the whole benefit of the Roth is tax-free growth. So you want to have your most aggressive assets. But if you if you you bid off more than you can chew or more than you're comfortable with, if you're putting in money and then you're seeing it immediately go down, some people panic and they abandon the strategy and that's that's not a good thing. So you want to if you have a plan, you want to stick to the plan and that's that's important in these times. So if the plan is if the plan was sound when you put it in place, the plan is still sound if the market goes down 10 or 20%. You you want to stick to your plan and not abandon it at the second you have, you know, a little bit of a rough patch. Well, that's one of the reasons working with an advisor like you is so important. You know, you take the emotion out of it. You're you're going to do the right thing for us. We just have to sit on the sidelines and, and you know, and know that you're doing the right thing. That's what being a fiduciary is all about. It is. And the, the hope is, is that by being a fiduciary, it builds in that layer of trust so that you're not panicked because you know that I'm acting in your best interest. Uh, so you're not saying, oh, my God, I need to I need to go in there and sell it because Steve isn't selling my stocks. Well, the reason Steve isn't selling your stocks is because it's not the right time to sell your stocks. And he, he, Steve has already carved out. Uh, <laughs> I love referring to myself in the third person. I sound right. like uh, Daryl Strawberry. But <laughs> the, 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 uh, you know, the reason I'm not doing that is because because we've already carved out the money for your for your income needs for the next two to three years. And so we don't want to replenish your cash unnecessarily when the market is down. We want to wait and pick our spots and sell at a better time. Absolutely. Folks, if you want to get a head start, just give us a call. It's 800-705-9995. And, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on against the end of the, uh, the, the segment here, Steve. Uh, so you said that, you know, we've got this money that's safe. Is there still a need for a backup plan? Yeah, of course, there's always a need for a plan in general. And so you want to always secure your income that you're going to need. And you always want to have enough safe so that when you have something else that goes wrong, like a dental bill or, um, you know, cataract surgery or whatever comes your way, that you have a cushion in the bank, which we call the liquid bucket, that you can dip into if the market is not so great, like like what we've been experiencing um, throughout January. So 
that's that's something we do for all our clients, and we actually break it down really simple. And we all, we'll give you a a chart that shows your three buckets, and um, we make it very simple. So we do that for everyone. We make that available to our listeners. We take the first 15 callers every week, and we'll do that absolutely for free. Hey, that sounds fantastic, Steve. Folks, take a, take advantage of what he's offering here today, that chance to, to sit down, put a financial roadmap together. It's a chance for you to get that true practical financial review. I know a lot of you are looking for that second opinion. Steve's the right guy to call, 800-705-9995. You're going to get that comprehensive financial review plus all the extras. You will find out where you are today, but more importantly, you'll find that you now have a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. So in short, you've got nothing to lose. Give us a call, 15 callers right now, 800-705-9995. That's 800-705-9995. We all want the kind of retirement that we think we deserve, but many people don't start saving for retirement till a little bit later in life. It's never too late to put together a plan. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall, the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. Steve, of course, is a fiduciary. He's been helping folks for more than 20 years. Uh, he can help you with estate planning, with health insurance, uh, and uh, we can he can help you with a backup plan because we always need a backup plan. We started talking about that in the last segment, Steve. Why don't we start there? Yeah, no, so we all have an idea of when we want to retire, but retirement can mean a lot of different things, right? So retirement could be that you want to stay exactly where you are in retirement and live in the same area, but maybe it could mean that you want to downsize and move to a new part of the country. Um, so obviously anyone can retire. It's all about the levers that we pull in order to get there, right? So the trade-offs that we make. And so in order to know what trade-offs accomplish what, what goals, we need to have a plan in place. And so that plan can have a bunch of different scenarios or what we call backup plans. So perhaps you want to just retire and that's your last day of work. Well, maybe you don't, you haven't saved enough to, to, to do that and maintain the lifestyle that you want to live. One of the things you could maybe do is instead of retiring from full-time work, you could transition to part-time work instead. Um, maybe you decided you want to live in your same home, but maybe it's a five bedroom home and all your kids are grown and out of the house. Maybe in order to accomplish the lifestyle you want to live, maybe you could sell your house, downsize, and reduce your living expenses. So these are the types of trade-offs that we can do. We call it a scenario modeling, and it gives you a couple of different options on how to meet your goal at, rather than just saving more or working longer because for some people, they can't save more, and most of us don't want to work longer. If we're saying we want to retire, it's because we want to retire. Right. So. So let me, let me ask you this, Steve, when you said transition to part-time work, are you finding that companies are agreeable to that? Are they, are they embracing that concept? They are. In fact, if you're, you know, especially if you, if there, if you have a skill set that no one currently in your, your job has, um, a lot of companies will want you to stay on part-time to at least train the person that's going to be doing your role, um, or they'll keep you on in a consulting basis. Uh, and a lot of companies are flexible now with um, working from home as well. So um, now some people don't like working from home, but for, if you're one of the people who don't mind working from home, um, a lot of companies will let you um, transition and maybe come into the office one or two days a week 
um, and maybe do, you know, one day on virtual. Sure. Um, so you're working kind of a reduced schedule to begin with, and you're not traveling and doing the commute and the grind as often. Sure. Well, again, um, that, 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 that's an ease. That's a way to ease into a retirement. I just think just from a, a, you know, a mind standpoint, it's probably helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. It's, and it's, that's, you said you hit the nail on the, on the head right there is that it's from a mind standpoint, part of retiring is being in the right mindset. And, you know, you want to, you want to live comfortably. The whole goal of saving your money is to enjoy it and, and live the kind of lifestyle you want to live. And for most of us living the kind of lifestyle we want to live entails not being stressed. <laughs> and so, um, if we can eliminate stress, then that that's always a goal. And so what do I mean by that? So let's, let's dive, let's dive a little deeper. Sure, into good. That. So like, if, if you can eliminate stress, what's the biggest stress for most people not having enough money, Correct. Right? Yes. So, um, yes, there's job related stress, but then there's also the stress from not having enough money. So if you retire and you don't have enough to pay your bills, that can be very stressful especially if you're accustomed to some, being someone who always pays their bills on time and always has extra money in the savings at the end of the month. Um, it can be very nerve wracking if you've, if you've retired and you don't have that income coming in and you don't know how to, um, where, where your bills are coming from. And so if you've done an analysis and you have enough money to retire, then it's about setting up an income stream so that the money is coming into your account so that psychologically you feel comfortable. Exactly. And and because that's the goal, like you said before, that's the goal of it all. And so, you know, again, so transitioning to part-time and, uh, you know, understanding how to uh, create that money. But that goes back to what you started the show with and, and that segmented uh, allocation of, of your funds. Right. So what what's the biggest stressor with money is that when you have an expense and you don't know where the money is coming from, right? So that's why it's so critical. The very first thing you want to do is make sure you have enough of an emergency fund. We call that the liquid bucket when we're talking about a time segmented bucket allocation. And you want to have at least three to th at least three years of your income need, but ideally uh, closer to five years of your income need. And then you want to have, depending on your, your risk level, maybe three to 12 months of your full expenses for emergencies. So typically what I'll just kind of walk you through a, cal a calculation. Say you have $5,000 coming in every month from pension and social security, but your lifestyle is costing you $6,000 a month. Well, that means you have a thousand dollar a month shortfall. Three years of that shortfall would be $36,000. And if you took three months of your full expenses at $6,000, that's 18 months. So at a minimum, you would want to have $54,000 in something safe and liquid. And by doing that, it keeps you from panicking because you know, all right, even if the market's bad, I don't need to pull from the stocks for three years. If I have an emergency, I have a little bit of a cushion in the bank. And you're not, you're not panicking when, you know, the, the hot water heater breaks, <laughs> you know? Right. And so that's, that, that's important. That's the most important thing is to, to carve out cash. And I, I love it when these, these bank financial advisors, they, you know, the, the teller sends you over to the, the financial advisor in the, the back, the glass office in the back of the bank. Right. And they say, oh, you know, you're not making enough on your savings. Why are you keeping so much money in savings? How do they know you're, you're keeping too much money in savings? Have they done any analysis whatsoever? Have they asked any questions? Just because something pays you more interest doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to own. 
Um, so it's about segmenting your assets based on when it's going to be spent. And if you go and tie up your money to try and get 2% as opposed to getting a 10th of a percent, and then you, you end up needing that money, you're going to be a heck of a lot more stressed. And it wasn't really worth it to make the extra one and a half percent interest, uh, you know, to then deal with the stress and potentially penalties, uh, for breaking, you know, those investments. So. Well, absolutely, it's critical, and and I think to not to oversimplify it, but purpose determines placement. Absolutely. So you want to shift from kind of cookie cutter portfolios, which we which work fine when you're saving for retirement because you're not withdrawing, right? So you could have one of those pre-designed portfolios because you're constantly plugging money in and you're not pulling money out. But when you're pulling money out you want to really be investing based on your goals and the timing of when you're going to need the money. And that's, that's the most critical thing in retirement. It's a completely different skill set than saving for retirement. And that's why you really want to be working with someone who's specializing in that. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, if you would like to uh, sit down with Steve, there's some, uh, we've got some slots left, don't we, Steve? Yeah, we have about seven slots left. Okay. And what we're going to do is a, a comprehensive uh, retirement distribution plan. We're going to look at not just what you're spending. We're going to, sp- we're going to sit down and kind of craft and, and have you hash out what you want your retirement to look like. Because it, believe me, that's actually the most important part of the exercise. Because if you, most, most people, when they get to retirement, have never actually thought about what a day in their retirement is going to look like. They, they have these kind of pie in the sky notions of, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But they haven't thought about what Tuesday, week two of retirement is going to look like. Right, <laughs> and so, and that's and that's what you have to do, and that's what you have to give some thought to, and we call that the well-defined goal, and that's something we we sit and we'll craft with you in that very first appointment, and we'll we'll kind of hash that out, and we'll kind of figure out, hey, what is, what is your life going to look like, and uh, we offer that to our listeners every week, and like I said, we have about seven spots left. Terrific, folks! It's a phone call away at eight hundred seven zero five nine 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 five. It's a chance for you to get that financial review to see where you are today, but more importantly, to have a roadmap. That can help get you to where you need to be. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. How do you really know if you're ready to retire? You've saved, you've sacrificed, and you're still not sure. When we come back, some simple calculations that could help you decide to take the next step. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall having a great conversation today. Just really, we're sort of mapping out how we can get to retirement. And I think this is the, the logical next step where you ask the question, how do you know if you're ready? So let's dig into this, Steve. And, and um, you have to have that question put to you almost every day. When can I retire? And uh, and how do we know? Yeah, there, so there's a couple ways to know. Let's talk about the the obvious ways when, number one, physically you can't do it anymore, right? Right. Um, So what do I mean by that? If you're working some type of a manual labor job, sometimes you just physically, you physically can't do it. Um, Or sometimes you might even just have a desk job, but just sitting there for eight hours a day, your your body can't do it anymore. So that's that's number one um, way that you know it's time to retire. Number two would be mentally, right? So, um, and mentally can mean a lot of different things, but the things that uh, you used to be able to to brush off, you can no longer brush off. Like when you um, have a boss that you don't really agree with or like, 
it aggravate you, you find yourself being a lot more aggravated. I, I hear this all the time from clients. So I've been doing this for over 24 years. So just anecdotally, I know, I know from talking to clients who have retired for various reasons, what I've noticed is a pattern of, of things. And so I'm just going to highlight a couple different ones. But okay, great. Usually the things that, that uh, aggravated you a little start to aggravate you a lot about the job. <laughs> and so um, when you get to that point, you're mentally probably starting to, to in your head, kind of call it quits. And, you know, it's a, what you don't want to hang on when you're not when you're not fully mentally engaged in the job because then that could lead to mistakes which could lead to liability depending on the especially depending on the type of job you do and so and number three you've saved enough to walk away and you're ready you're 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 ready to just go out on your own terms and and enjoy the money you've saved and so that's ideally the best way to go into retirement where you know, you, 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 you have other things that you want to do and there are other, there's other paths that you want to follow in your life and you're ready for that next stage of life and you've, you've saved enough. And so that's where we come in and determine, well, have you saved enough? And so um, the way that we have to look at that is not by taking a 4% rule or some, some rule of thumb and saying, hey, you have a magical number that says that you can retire. We have to actually do that well-defined goal and figure out here's what your projected lifestyle is going to cost you. And in order to accomplish that, you're going to need to have this much money based on the way that you have things invested right now, because we're going to look at a forward looking rate of return on your assets. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain that. Okay, good. The, the, the stocks and bonds fluctuate in value. If you, if you use historical performance, you're going to be planning for failure. Why, why do I say that? Because stocks and bonds don't typically do the same thing the next 10 years that they did the last 10 years. And so you have to look at the, each asset class and where it is relative to its long-term historical average. And then you have to figure if it's been doing much worse, like international stocks, then it's probably due for a period where it does a little bit better. If it's been doing much better than its long-term average, like large cap growth stocks, it's probably due for a period where it's going to do worse. So you want to have someone who's using forward-looking capital market assumptions. And so that's a much more accurate way of planning than the traditional way of planning where people just say, oh, well, here's this bond fund has averaged 6.5% for the last 40 years. Great. 40 years ago, interest rates were at 16, and now they're at 1. Bonds, bond prices move opposite interest rates. So you had the greatest run for for bonds for the last 40 years. Do you really think that's going to happen the next the next 40 years? Probably not. So you want to you want to definitely be using um, forward looking capital assumptions. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look based on the way you have it allocated. Now, here's what we project your portfolio is going to do. And we know it's not going to do that in a straight line. So we're going to run a 1000 different trials a year. And those trials are going to have a varied result on some Sometimes it's going to be markets like as bad as the Great Depression, and other times it'll be markets as good as the one that we've just been in or as good as the 90s. And we're going to see a distribution of those results, and we're going to see how many times you're able to hit your goals in, in those different market scenarios. So if you're hitting your goals at, say, 95%, that means you're hitting your goals even in Great Depression-type scenarios. So that's, 
that's a really, you know, that's a really, really strong position. And that would tell me 100%, hey, look, financially, you're ready to retire. Um, so, you know, we, we look at those numbers and we show you and we say, hey, look, if you went out now, here's, here's what your income and assets could support. And that's, that, knowing that number is very important because it makes the decision a lot easier. Sure. So, Steve, let's talk inflation for just a second in, in terms of applying it to that plan. Do you take inflation into account? Is that part of the calculation? I do. And it's something that I've been doing for years. And people always, I used to get a lot of questions on it. I don't get so many questions on it anymore. But I have always been, for the last couple of years, I used to use 4%. But now I, I've been using the long-term historical average, which is 3.42%. Okay. That's what inflation has averaged since World War II. Now, obviously, at 7% is significantly higher, but the I think that at some point we'll get through these supply chain disruptions and inflation will kind of normalize uh, and we'll probably settle in in the high twos, maybe low threes. But my my clients who have been with me for a few years, they're they're not concerned about the inflation we're experiencing now because I've been projecting inflation at a much higher rate than what they experienced the last three or four years. So even in, even though inflation is a little bit higher this year, they're still way ahead of the game because I've been inflating their expenses all along. Okay. And a lot of a lot of advisors have been using one or two percent inflation, or some advisors use no inflation whatsoever. And so, um, you know, that's that's completely the wrong way to plan. So you want to you want to look at what your what your income need is in today's dollars, and then you want to factor in inflation and taxes, and. We don't know what taxes are going to be after 2026 because the the current tax law sunsets. But you know, it doesn't mean that you should be panicked by the fact that the tax law is going to change in 2026 and go and take a seven-figure retirement account and convert it to Roth um, just just on fear that that um, tax rates could change and. You, you hear a lot of advisors giving that advice, and I think it's the wrong advice. The Roth conversion makes sense for a handful of people that have a lot of liquidity and the money to pay the taxes um, and have a, have a retirement account that probably they're not going to need to spend in their lifetime. Then something like that, the Roth conversion could make sense. But unfortunately, it gets, it gets presented to every single person as like a, a catch-all solution. And a much better way to do it is if you're still working to switch your contributions, your new contributions to Roth 401k as opposed to pre-tax rather than just converting the money. Uh, because if you convert the money, the whole benefit of the conversion is to get as much money into the Roth as possible. So you ideally want to have um, enough money liquid in the bank to pay the taxes. Sure. That I mean, that, well, that makes sense, and and I think that um, you know, as we as we sort of get into this uh, closer to retirement, these are the kinds of important steps that need to be taken that you can help us and make sure we're on that right road to retirement. Right. So there's a lot of different advice out there, and you want to deal with someone who's doing retirement distribution and who has a skill set for this phase of your life. It's a completely different skill set than someone who's planning to save for retirement, and you want to look at all the different things that could impact your retirement. And that's something that we do in all of our plans. And we still have about four spots left. 
Hey, that sounds fantastic. Don't let this op opportunity slip by, folks. Call Steve, get a, get on his calendar, have a, that conversation. It's 800-705-9995. You'll get that comprehensive financial review, and you'll see where you stand today. But more importantly, you'll find you now have a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. You've been busy this week sending us lots of questions. We'll dig in when we come right back. Hey, we're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Of course, Steve is uh, a best-selling author, Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Uh, he is uh, you know, president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions. I haven't mentioned the website today, and that is... Um, laurelws.com. That's laurelws.com. Check that out. Put that, uh, you know, check out. You'll not only find out about Steve, but also a lot of great information that uh, you put on that website pretty regularly, don't you? Yeah, no, I do. And you, I have links to my podcast. Plus, I, I keep a blog every week. So the blog, um, if you go on the website and you read the blog, you can actually see every week what my thoughts are on the, the movements in the market. So we talked a lot about the market volatility in the first segment, this is a way to, um, you know, to, to see what I was thinking. And you can actually go back and see um, what I, what I've been saying for the last two years. <laughs> so um, <laughs> okay. it gives you a good sense of, uh, of what, you know, you know, what my attitudes are on different, on different movements in the market. So that's, I mean, really, what a great tool for folks to use just for that, that sort of reassurance or maybe that confidence. Yeah, no, absolutely. Plus, obviously, uh, there's a link to the podcast, and I do a um, a TV spot every week in San Francisco. So um, there, there's all of those videos are up on the website as well. Great. And again, that website is laurelws.com. That's laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, W-S.com. All right, let's jump into a couple of these questions here, Steve, while we've got some time. William is wondering, uh, he says, I'm in my third marriage. My first two marriages each lasted 10 years. My spouses worked in jobs requiring them to pay Social Security. I'm currently retired since 1999 and worked for a city government my entire career. I currently have a pension from the city. Am I entitled to receive anything from Social Security for the time I was married to my previous spouses? It only seems fair since I had to pay each of them spousal support. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately. Bitter, pirate of one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, I wish it worked that way for you, William. Um, I'm, I'm sure you didn't love writing out the spousal support check, but um, you'd be subject to uh, GPO, which is government pension offset. Um, and that would probably wipe out any uh, divorced spousal benefits or divorced survivor benefits that you, you would actually receive. Um, if you receive a retirement or disability pension from federal, state, or local government on your own work, for which you didn't pay social security taxes, which I'm assuming is the case in your, in your situation, um, you would, uh, you would have either a reduced, uh, spousal benefit or no spousal benefit. At okay. All. all right. Well, again, that's, I mean, that whole government, uh, pension offset, that's a, that's sort of a, a sticking point for some folks. I mean, there's, there's talk of trying to eliminate that and boy, there's certainly strong opinions on either side of that one. Yeah, there is. And, uh, and we talk about this a lot on the show because I work with a lot of federal employees. So GPO and the windfall elimination, these are things that come up uh, quite frequently. And so this is something that I'm, you know, pretty knowledgeable on and 
um, we're going to be able to tell you when we put together your plan uh, whether or not you'd be subject to that and in, in, in what amount. That's great advice. 800-705-9995. William, if you want to learn some more, let's see. Uh, Huey is uh, wondering, says, uh, I am 65 and I just started Medicare. I was told my Part B monthly premium in 2022 would be $170.10. The statement I received showed the monthly premium is two thirty-eight ten. What happened? You got hit with Irma, and that's Ooh. not a hurricane. That's um, income-related monthly adjustment amount. Boy, they and love their acronyms, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, what it, it's determined by your income on your income tax return for the two prior years. So that means that your 2022 Medicare premium is actually based on your 2020 income tax return. Um, and so... You know, if you filed jointly in 2022 and had income between 182 and 228, uh, your Part B premium would be 23810, which is what sounds like happened in your case, Huey. Okay. Um, so again, income, uh, it they, we sometimes call that means testing. So when you hear like proposals in Washington about means testing Social Security, um, it probably would end up being something similar to what they do with Medicare. Okay. So if you, they they feel like if you make a little bit more money, you can afford to pay a little bit more. Okay. And and so let me ask you this: so as he gets further into retirement, would he could he conceivably see that that Part B premium go down again? Sure. Yeah, it readjusts. Okay. So, so it's, it adjusts you know, every as, year. Uh, right. And so I just had this situation with another client where um, they're going to be retiring and they make a, a very very nice income. And they're still going to have a, a pretty healthy minimum distribution, but it will actually bring them uh, two years from now, they'll have a lower Medicare premium because they won't have the salary anymore and they'll just have the minimum distribution. So, All right. um, you know, but it, you want to be factoring those, those, those facts in. And again, as you want to be basing your plan on reality, not on the not on wish, not on the reality you wish you had, but on the reality you actually have. Sure. And so <laughs> that's uh, that's what we do in all of our plans. 800-705-9995. Huey, if you want to learn a little bit more. And uh, let's see, we got one time for one more quick one. Uh, Alice says, uh, should I purchase an indexed universal life insurance plan so I can take loans out later when I retire that are tax exempt or save my money for retirement in a Roth IRA? Does the life insurance have higher fees in comparison to paying tax on the Roth IRA? Great question, Alice. And so uh, you know, if you listen to this show, you'll know that I don't, uh, I don't really push one product versus the other. I'm kind of, I, I call myself product agnostic. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there who will tell you that an indexed universal life insurance or life insurance is the greatest tax shelter since sliced bread. I personally think if you're putting the money into a Roth IRA, it's going to have much more advantages in terms of growth than the cash value in a life insurance policy. Number one, you're paying um, less in fees because when you're paying a premium, uh, yes, you're you're typically overfunding that premium, which means that you're you're putting in more dollars than it need than you need to sustain the life insurance, and that extra money that you're putting in is going to build cash value. But when you put the money in a Roth IRA, you're not paying for it. You have nothing coming up for life insurance cost. So. Um, so you have more of your money working for you, apples apples to apples. All right. Where the index universal life makes sense is if you still have a life insurance need, because what happens with the life insurance is 
God forbid you pass away prematurely and say you have a big debt that would be a burden on whoever is going to be um, the beneficiary of your assets. Uh, it, you know, the, the death benefit of life insurance is it takes care of that. But if you're looking at it just on from apples to apples from a savings vehicle, the Roth IRA is going to be much lower cost and is going to is going to um, provide more growth over the long run, assuming you live to, you know, 85, 90 years old, um, your your Roth IRA should end up having a mu much more money uh, than what you would have gotten from the cash value of the life insurance. All the right. key to the life insurance, again, is the death benefit. So if you're buying life insurance, there should be some need for the death benefit. If you have no death benefit need and you're just doing it as a straight tax shelter, you're probably better served doing a Roth 401k or Roth IRA. Fair enough. 800-705-9995. And on that note, let's go ahead and wrap the show up, Steve. Yeah, no, thank you guys for listening. We still have about two spots left if anyone wants to call in. Um, we will put together that comprehensive review for you and we will give you a roadmap on where you need to go. And the time flies by so fast and we, we thank you guys for listening and we'll be back here next Sunday evening. The information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Crusoe offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training.